Hey, if you have a Bible, find Acts chapter 2. Thank you guys for doing that and sharing. Um, and uh, listen, as you've already picked up on, today's a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, We're always going to get in the Word together, so we're going to do that now. But today's a little different. We really believe that this is um, prayer groups or something that are vital to our church. You need to know people. You need to be in community. I think Christine said that so well. You need to, in the first service, I'm going to use the word vulnerable. Um, man, being known is, is, is incredibly important, okay? So uh, as, you, as we continue to talk today, and, and even at the end of the service, Stephen's going to come up and really push and encourage. And listen, I know you're going to be hungry. Uh, Jags lost yesterday. They're not going to lose today, so you're in good shape. We really want you to consider this, okay? Uh, walk over, ask someone, um, and Stephen will share more in a couple of minutes. I, I have a couple things real quick I need to jump into, and then we'll be in Acts chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's page uh, 855, I think, in the black Bibles in the pew, okay? Next uh, Sunday afternoon is our uh, member dinner. We really encourage you twice a year to come to one of these if you're a member. If you came to our membership class last Sunday afternoon, yesterday, last Sunday afternoon, I said that right, uh, you're invited, uh, man, to that. Please come and join us for that uh, and be with us. We'll feed you dinner at five. We'll keep your kids if you have them. And then we'll come over here and celebrate, pray together, hang out a little bit, talk vision, uh, those kind of things. So please, please, uh, man, move heaven and earth to be here next Sunday night. Also, there's baptism available next week. If you are uh, new to faith, uh, have never been baptized or want to have a conversation about that, please find me after the service. Um, i got two more things, and then we'll get into the sermon. Um, <clears throat> Centered, a study we did back in the spring, uh, we kind of kicked off a new ministry, is going to kick off after Labor Day. We'll have more details about it, but we're going to do a centered study this fall um, on the book uh, with the first 11 chapters in the book of Genesis. So if you're looking to dig in uh, a little deeper, it's going to be led by one of our elders, Paul, who was up here earlier, um, but we're excited about that midweek centered study that's coming uh, after Labor Day. And last thing, okay, uh, ladies, women of refuge, uh, would you kind of right here, just me and you, um, who has a little bit of feelings about the fact that we've done a lot of men's stuff and you're like, what about me? Anybody want to just... Raise your hand. Like, let's be friends. My daughter raised her hand, so now you're able to do that. Thank you to those. Thank you. Okay. Listen, I've heard from a few. Thank you, Tyler, for raising your hand, although that's weird. So, um, but listen, I realize uh, that um, I just want you to know that we have something coming down the pipe. After Labor Day, we'll tell you more about it, but I and the elders have been working on some plans uh, to hand off to the ladies. So if you'll just hang with us for a couple more weeks, I believe you'll be excited about what's to come as we really are going to be been pouring into and focusing on building community uh, and discipleship amongst the women of the church, okay? So if you're feeling left out, um, then A, go grab coffee with a bunch of ladies this week. That'd be great, okay? B, you're welcome to express that to me. I feel left out, Josh. I'm sorry, that wasn't intentional. Uh, we're still new as a church. We don't even celebrate two years until September. So some of these things are still coming online. Uh, ladies should always go first, so forgive me for not following that rule that's in the Bible. It's not the Bible, okay? Uh, just forgive me in general, um, but it's coming. I promise we've been working on it since the beginning of the summer. So Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for this time. We thank you for an opportunity to open your word, God, to hear from you. God, and I pray that you would uh, speak clearly to us. You would draw us to you now. Um, Lord Jesus, we need you. Uh, we love you. Amen. Acts uh, chapter 2. Um, so we're talking about prayer, and we're talking about prayer groups, and, and currently our church is on this journey of praying and fasting together. Um, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, we've given out a prayer guide. We've encouraged you to fast. And we've given you a couple of options. Um, there's even some scripture tied to that. And we're kind of saying, hey, Lord, we're seeking renewal. Uh, we're seeking unity. We're seeking uh, the Lord would unite our hearts uh, together in some incredible ways. Um, and so I want to talk about this prayer that we're talking about. Um, I want you to think about the word encounter for a minute. Um, think about encountering people or things, or maybe your spouse for the first time. 
Uh, when, I, um, when, when my kids were much younger, my older kids, we would do, as, as most families do, we'd go to Chick-fil-A a lot and eat. And um, my children, specifically one of them, was deathly afraid of the Chick-fil-A cow. Um, I mean, just hated the thing. Um, and so he would, he, there you go, dead giveaway, right? He would walk in to Chick-fil-A, and he would just walk in paranoid, like checking behind everything, looking, and he'd, Mama, where's the cow? Mama, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we'd get him seated, we'd say, and we'd even tell him at the register sometime, please don't bring the cow out. It'll be terrible for you, for us, like half of your revenue is our family. You just don't want any of this to take place. And, um, you know, that was, that was working out until one day we're sitting there, just eating our lunch, and all of a sudden, that cow is right over my son's shoulder, tapping him on the shoulder. And I don't know what happened, but he spins around and sees it, froze, and then cries and screams for about an hour in the Chick-fil-A. Maybe not an hour, maybe one minute, but it felt like an hour. But what was so startling to me was, was the, forgive me, whoever this cow was, the cow did not take into the fact that this wasn't going well and just stayed there. And we're like, hey, back up. And the cow's like, doesn't talk because they're a Chick-fil-A cow. And he just kind of stood there. And I was like, hey, bud, back up. It's not going well, right? Uh, back up. And then I stood up because the cow wouldn't move. And then I think the cow wanted to fight me, which I didn't want to fight a cow in Chick-fil-A. I was just trying to get the cow to back up. Finally, I stood up and the cow kind of does this move. And I was like, this is not going, just go away, right? And so we have these encounters in life that stick with us, do we not? We have encounters that are good and positive and negative and and hard, and some will never forget. I mean, if you're married, think about your first encounter with your spouse. Or if you have one of those lifelong friends, think about that encounter. Maybe uh, you've had the privilege or joy of meeting a famous athlete or musician that you've admired from a distance. Maybe that encounter went great, maybe it didn't. But oftentimes we walk away from these encounters feeling something. Feeling hope, feeling renewed, feeling discouraged if it didn't go well feeling scared, feeling never wanting to go in Chick-fil-A again, but, but encounters can be impactful to us. Well, what I want you to hear me say this morning is much of what the Bible talks about when it talks about prayer is encountering God. And prayer is, is simply put, having an encounter with God. Now, we don't often think of prayer in that way. We think of prayer as, I've got this list, I've got these needs, I've got this test. But, but prayer begins and ends with an encounter with God. Prayer is encountering the living God. And so as much as we want to think about casting our burdens or our requests up, then part of prayer then begins and ends with encountering God. I'm going to jump around in Scripture a lot today. I don't know that you'll be able to keep up. I've marked all my passages. So if you want to just write some of these down and stay in Acts, I think that would be best. But you're, it's up to you. But one of the first encounters with God we see an individual have is in Genesis chapter 4. So setting the stage, you have creation. Following creation, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. And there's this hor horrific saga of Cain and Abel. Following Cain and Abel, a son is born named Seth. And then Seth has a son named Enosh. So he's, we're not too far in the creative order. And it says in Genesis chapter 4 verse 26, To Seth also a son was born, and his name was called Enosh. And then there's a sentence, and it says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And you don't have to go to seminary, but that word call is, is the same word we get the idea of encounter from. That word call means encounter. So it means a couple things, but ultimately that word call means encounter. So it reads even also like this, at that time, people began to encounter God. Prayer is not only about heaping up lists and phrases, although those are important, I mean, it's also about encountering God, entering his presence, uh, his presence, meeting with him. I mean, I want you to consider your relationships in life. 
If all you ever did in the most valued relationships in your life is showed up and uttered your request, if you walked in the house today after church and just said, dinner, remote, TV, I'm not sure how that would go for you, right? Nap, Target, coffee, like I, I don't know how those requests would go for you, but I mean, we want to we build a relationship and that we can have those things wired into. I mean, adoration, part of our prayer life, leads us to supplication. And oftentimes we get that reversed. Oftentimes we show up to God going, I need, I want, this is happening. And those are good things. And hear me, God wants to hear those things. But I mean, without adoration, without encountering God, without knowing God, oftentimes those requests, that, that supplication can feel a little bit empty. It can feel like, and you may have heard someone say, prayer is boring. And I will tell you 100% prayer will be boring and you'll stop doing it if it's only petitions that go up and there's no adoration as a part of it, no encountering the Lord. You can read in the Psalms, uh, starting in Psalm 30, you can go all the way to Psalm 40. And it's really interesting. At the beginning of each of those Psalms, you will see the psalmist encountering God before he lays out his request. I'm just going to read one of those, Psalm 34. So the psalmist is going to lay out his request, but before he does, he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes boasts in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Do you hear the, the, the encountering and the adoration that's taking place? Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And here's a verse you've heard before, I'm sure, if you've been around church. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And what David and the author here is reminding us in this psalm is prayer, yes. Petitions, yes. Requests, yes. But man, if we aren't reminding our hearts by encountering God that we can taste and see that he is good, prayer will become stagnant and boring. So petition, yes. Make your list absolutely. Journal your prayers out, yes. You share your needs with the Lord. Share your desires with the Lord, yes and good. But encounter God. Faith that's going to persevere is faith that encounters God regularly. I would argue that much of the, the walking away from the faith and the, the deconstruction stuff we're kind of walking in, not to dismiss it in any sense, but I wonder how much of it is, man, we haven't encountered God in a while and it's gone stagnant. Man, we stay faithful through prayer that encounters God. Therefore, prayerlessness to live a life void of prayer is, is a spiritual sort of suicide. And so here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to shift the rest of our conversation around just this premise. This is what I wanted to get to, but I had to start with the encounter. So if you walk away with a couple things today, you walk away with, I want to encounter God in prayer. And then here's the other two things. Number one, um, and I'm going to kind of make this sound like a three-year-old would say it, we're really good at me prayer. And here's what I mean. Um, so most mornings, uh, I wake up, uh, get something to drink, have a seat at the little table I have at the home where I work sometimes at the home, at home, uh, open my Bible, pull my journal out, and I spend prayer time with the Lord, just me and the Lord. And if I can be really honest, if somebody interrupts me, 
I, I, it's really funny. I'll be doing my quiet time and somebody interrupt me and then I'll get all irritated. Like it's really funny how that plays out. But regardless, then that time is special to me. That, that me prayer time is, is really important to me. Um, it's isolated. It's me and the Lord. There are things I share that I mostly share with Beth, but I'm pouring my heart and I'm, I'm pleading for you. I'm pleading for my family. That is valuable, rich time. And I would pause and say, that should be a part of your life. And it just, it, man, it can feel like a, a fight sometimes, but it's worth it to stay faithful in. I want to encounter God in that moment. I want to spend time with him. Me prayer is really important where it's me and God. But can I just, here's my premise. We're really good at me prayer, but scripture teaches that we prayer is really important, and men, we don't do it at all. See, me prayer, me and God happens a lot. We prayer, or I'm praying with my church and other believers, just doesn't seem to happen as often. I mean, the, the Bible talks about just as much as we are to encounter God individually, we are to encounter God, look at me, church, together. There's a togetherness to this. I mean, praying together shapes the church. Praying together shapes the Christian. As I've studied in the last couple of weeks preparing for this, one of the things that, is, that has just so resonated with me is how often when Scripture teaches of prayer, it doesn't say when you pray, but it describes a when we pray. When, if we could southern it, when y'all pray. When they pray. That it's not an individual prayer, but it's coming together to pray. When scripture speaks of prayer, it kind of gives you kind of two lanes. You pray by yourself or you pray with others. And I would say we're really good at praying for ourselves. Today, if you almost rear in someone because you're checking your phone and you have that fluttered moment, you will be really good at prayer, will you not? I mean, we really struggle, though, with, with the corporate prayer or the together prayer idea. I would argue I think we just are really bad at it. It's not a value or a commitment that we hold to. So here's my question, and make it personal. How often are you praying with the church? How often do you pray with your church? Here's where I want to spend the rest of our sermon, guys, talking about us praying together, looking at Scripture that reminds us of the call to pray together. If we're not together, there's very little time to pray together. Men, men two of the most Ignored commands and forms of prayer in scripture are to pray with your spouse in marriage and to pray with other Christians. So often our prayers become very isolated, where it's just me and God. Yet we were created for corporate prayer, you and others. Look at Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you're still there. Uh, jump forward to verse 42. So next week we're going to start a series on Acts. We'll get into it later. But what I want you to see is Acts 42 through 47 is, is really the fruit of the first church. You're going to see the church begins to come together, and this is what God does. This passage is, is pretty remarkable. There's been tons of books written on it, but it, it's the passage of the fellowship of believers. This is the churches come together, and this is what they experience, and this is what they're doing. So if you ever wanted to know, Jesus leaves, so what does the church look like at the beginning? If we want to take it back, this is it. If you want to know what we should be about, you could even argue this is it, okay? So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 it says, and they. Now, if you're writing your Bible like I do, I underlined they. They. It doesn't say he. It doesn't say him. It says, and they. There is a together. There is a group together. And then it uses this word devoted themselves. It says, and they devoted. Can we talk about devotion for just a moment? Um, when we devote ourselves to something, 
the, the truth of it is it, it costs us something. If you devote yourself to taking on a new child, there's a cost. If you devote yourself to taking on a new job, there's a cost. If you devote yourself to the new iPhone 17 Pro Max light green, there's a cost financially in your wallet now. When we devote ourselves to something, there's a cost. And so we read this to say, and they devoted, they gave themselves to something. And then there it is again, is another word. Look what it says, themselves. It's not, and he devoted himself but it's they devoted themselves to the apostles. And it's going to say they devoted themselves to four things. Four things became incredibly important to the early church. Number one, teaching. The apostles' teaching. They together wanted to sit under the taught word of God by the apostles. The second thing is fellowship. Now, now pause and, and look at me because this, this is so incredibly important. When we read fellowship, we, I think, think about it so incorrectly. I mean, fellowship, uh, you can start to look at words like community in Greek. It's, it's the idea that I love you as much as I love myself, even more so. And I want to consider you even more than I consider myself. So when we say fellowship, it's not this. I see you at Target and go, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Great. And we see each other Sunday. But I see you at Target or at church and I go, hey, man, that thing this week, how did it go? You heard some of the prayer groups reference it. Hey, man, I know you guys are wrestling with this. Hey, how are you? And you can pause and literally say, I'm not okay. Or... I am okay. Man, fellowship is, is, is where we get vulnerable with one another. It's permission to know one another intimately and deeply. So please don't read that as they ate KFC together, but read that as they, they knew each other. It says, into the breaking of bread, and we should eat together, as was said, and to prayer, and the prayers. It's interesting, too. You see verse 42, and verse 43 almost gives, here's the result of verse 42. Look at verse 43. And as a result, which doesn't say that, but I think you can just kind of read into that. And all came over every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so it gives this idea that, man, this is happening. And people are starting to go, what is happening down there? What is happening at that church? What is happening with these people? That all is coming on every soul and signs and wonders are being done. Verse 44, look what it says. Look at the words it's going to use. And all who believed were together. And they had everything in common. This is not, and Josh was down in his room being faithful, doing his quiet time every week. There's a togetherness here. Look how crazy it got. Verse 45. Like, you have to acknowledge how crazy this is, okay? This is not common. I'm not saying it's bad. It's miraculous, but it's not common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had a need. I mean, things got a little bit crazy. But one of the things that happens is, and this is really important, the church began to acknowledge that they could sense, feel, and know each other's needs. And as those needs came up and they realized it, what did they do? They made a way for those needs to be met. I mean, listen, if you have needs and you don't share those, I would argue that there's a disobedience factor to that. I mean, we are to welcome others into that. And day by day, attending the temple, what does it say again? Together, breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with gladness and generous hearts. I think there's a, there's a great picture of what we're hoping prayer groups might look like here. Verse 47, praising God. Here's another kind of results of these things. And having favor with all people. And as a result, the Lord adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. And hear me, God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. 
God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. And the other part of that is, and so that others may be drawn also near to encounter God with them. Listen, practicing prayer in isolation or me prayer only is a good safeguard against the temptation of trying to impress others or look like you don't ever pray in front of others. But I would argue, I mean, if you only pray me prayers, it's just me and God. I believe that's, un- that's, that's incredibly selfish. It's unchristlike and it's really disobedient. There should be two lanes of prayer in your life where I'm meeting with God and I'm praying and I'm praying with other people. I mean, I mean it's selfish. Look, our prayers are not and cannot only be for ourselves. You are part of a church. You are part of a community. And you are part of a family. I mean, I think praying only me prayers is unchristlike. When you look through the Gospels, you see how often Jesus welcomed others into his prayers. When he fed the 5,000, before he fed them, it says he looked up to the Lord and asked the Lord to provide with them. When he healed Lazarus and brought him back from the dead, you see Jesus mourn, grieve, and weep over the loss with others, and then pray, and you see Lazarus healed. And even right at Christ, right before he's arrested, he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and says, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. How about this? And I want you to hear these words. Luke 11 gives us the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, I want you to hear these words. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach, listen to the word, us to pray. Verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, you, you can read that one way, but, but one of the things we have to see is, they're again, they're praying prayers that are bigger than themselves. There are countless verses in the Bible that speak to Christians being called to pray together. If you look at Matthew 18, you've probably heard this verse before, where two or three are gathered in my name, there's a promise on the end, isn't there? I am with them. So come to me together. Matthew 18, 19, if two of you agree on earth about anything, it will be done by the Father when you ask. How about James 5, 16? Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. There are specific verses in Scripture that offer specific promises to us when we're willing to pray together. And we miss that when we just isolate. Maybe the reason your prayers aren't being answered as you hoped they would be since you're not inviting other Christians to agree in prayer with you. I mean, God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. Hear me, church. Prayer is supposed to be together. It's supposed to happen together. We pray me prayers. That should happen. And we pray we prayers. We are encouraged to pray together through Scripture. Our prayers, the Bible says, are answered when we pray together. And there is power when we pray together. How about this? When I read this and it kind of resonated with me, I pray it will with you, but God is not only my Father. In fact, He introduced Himself as our Father. He's our Father, meaning the things you struggle with, God knows, and the things the person sitting next to you struggle with, He knows. Meaning the same mercies that were offered to you this morning are the same mercies offered to everyone in the room this morning. I mean, the reality is some football teams pray together on Friday nights more frequently than most churches pray together. 
That's a heartbreaking thing. And some of us are praying for fasting or we're praying and fasting for renewal right now. Can I just tell you this? You know what you might need more than a fast is to pray with other believers. And praying with others will expose you. Praying with others will bring dark things to light, which is where sin is dealt with. Praying with others will bring real vulnerability in your life. Praying with your church is part of being a member. It is a way you demonstrate your commitment to the Lord and to others here. In front of you, you have a card and, um, that you got on the way in. And, and we, you heard um, Elder Paul talk earlier and he, as he read through James 5, 13 uh, through 20. And these are our, our guidelines, men, if you will, or kind of a framework for our prayer groups. But we say we have five prayer prompts. We want to praise. We want to take time when we gathered at 8 this morning. And anybody's invited to that, to, to praise God for what he's done. The second prayer prompt is we, if you look at point one, I think they're kind of broken down in there. We want to confess our needs and pray for each other. I mean, do, like, can I just ask you this question? We'll do this thing. Look at me. Like, do other people outside of your home know what your needs are? Because part of it is, is welcoming them. Not that they can meet the need. But they can come alongside you and agree with you in prayer. And then the third one is confess sin. The fourth one is we want to pray for the impossible. We very rarely pray for things outside of our reach. Man, but man, man, what are those impossible things that if God really moved, only God would get the credit for? What about praying for the lost? Man, do you have a list somewhere? Do you have names that you continually come up to the Lord with? Do you have a neighbor that you know is lost and you're coming back to the Lord with over and over? Maybe the reason some of your prayers aren't being answered the way you would like for them to be answered is other Christians aren't agreeing with you in prayer. And that doesn't mean because you bring Josh into your prayers, your prayer for winning the lottery is going to be answered. That's not how this works. But what we are saying is, man, there's some specific promises around prayer when we join with others. God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to shift, and we're going to do something a little different to close out our time together. So let me just give you this preface. This, this is going to be a bit awkward, so go ahead and take a breath. If you're new here, you're, man, just sit and relax, okay? We don't want you to feel awkward. We want our members to feel awkward, okay? So members, this is for you, right? So here's what we're going to do. I want to give you an invitation to pray this morning. So before we sing our final song together and we move into the kind of prayer group time, man, I, I want to give you an invitation to pray. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll give you three options. Number one, there's an altar right here. Roger's going to come play some pad behind us, and there's an altar here. Maybe you have a need. Maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. Maybe you just feel prompted by the Lord to come and kneel and pray. Maybe you need to come pray with your spouse. Number two, pray with an elder. Um, I'm going to have the elders available. If you're an elder in the room, if you'll come up front and just kind of be available. And if you need to come and pray with an elder, we'll be available as Scripture teaches. And the third thing is the awkward thing. If we're going to pray together, part of that means going to someone and praying with them. And so part of this space is going to be the opportunity for you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as he leads, walk across the chapel to someone else, lay a hand on their shoulder and pray for them as the Lord leads. Here's the, here's the thing. That's awkward. That's weird. And it's probably one of the greatest things you'll do today if the Lord leads you to do that. So here's the invitation before we sing. Number one, pray at the altar. If you want to come and pray, this is for you. This is your time to meet with the Lord. Number two, if you want to pray with an elder, then we'll be available up here. And number three, if you want to pray for someone, if the Lord lays that on your heart, and I believe he will, 
man, I want to encourage you to walk over as awkward as it may be, pray for them. And let me say this. Our prayers don't have to be eloquent, don't have to be full of scripture. It's just, you just go and pray. Lord, be with them, bless them, encourage them. Amen. So again, pray at the altar, pray with the elder, pray with an elder, pray with someone. So if you're an elder, if you'll come on up and I'll prepare us to this time, into this time now. God, we love you and I pray that you would meet us during this time now. Lord, if you're leading some to come to the altar, I pray that they would do so. If you're leading some to pray with an elder, I pray they do so. And if you're leading us to continue to pray man, and, and become one together in this, Lord, I pray you would lead us and give us boldness to pray for someone else in the room. God, would you draw us to you now? God, we need you and we love you. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, find Acts chapter 2. Thank you guys for doing that and sharing. Um, and uh, listen, as you've already picked up on, today's a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, we are always going to get in the Word together, so we're going to do that now. But today's a little different. We really believe that this is um, prayer groups or something that are vital to our church. You need to know people. You need to be in community. I think Christine said that so well. You need to, in the first service, I'm going to use the word vulnerable. Um, man, being known is, is, is incredibly important, okay? So uh, as, you, as we continue to talk today and, and even at the end of the service, Stephen's going to come up and really push and encourage. And listen, I know you're going to be hungry. Uh, Jags lost yesterday. They're not going to lose today, so you're in good shape. We really want you to consider this, okay? Uh, walk over, ask someone, um, and Stephen will share more in a couple of minutes. I, I have a couple of things real quick I need to jump into, and then we'll be in Acts chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's page uh, 855, I think, in the black Bibles in the pew, okay? Next uh, Sunday afternoon is our uh, member dinner. We really encourage you twice a year to come to one of these. If you're a member, if you came to our membership class last Sunday afternoon, yesterday, last Sunday afternoon, I said that right, uh, you're invited, uh, man, to that. Please come and join us for that uh, and be with us. We'll feed you dinner at five. We'll keep your kids if you have them. And then we'll come over here and celebrate, pray together, hang out a little bit, talk vision, uh, those kind of things. So please, please, uh, man, move heaven and earth to be here next Sunday night. Also, there's baptism available next week. If you are uh, new to faith, uh, have never been baptized or want to have a conversation about that, please find me after the service. Um, i got two more things, and then we'll get into the sermon. Um, <clears throat> Centered, a study we did back in the spring, uh, we kind of kicked off a new ministry, is going to kick off after Labor Day. We'll have more details about it, but we're going to do a centered study this fall um, on the book uh, with the first 11 chapters in the book of Genesis. So if you're looking to dig in uh, a little deeper, it's going to be led by one of our elders, Paul, who was up here earlier, um, but we're excited about that midweek centered study that's coming uh, after Labor Day. And last thing, okay, uh, ladies, women of refuge, uh, would you kind of right here, just me and you, um, who has a little bit of feelings about the fact that we've done a lot of men's stuff and you're like, what about me? Anybody want to just raise your hand. Like, let's be friends. My daughter raised her hand, so now you're able to do that. Thank you to those. Thank you. Okay. Listen, I've heard from a few. Thank you, Tyler, for raising your hand, although that's weird. So, um, but listen, I realize uh, that um, I just want you to know that we have something coming down the pipe. After Labor Day, we'll tell you more about it, but I and the elders have been working on some plans uh, to hand off to the ladies. So if you'll just hang with us for a couple more weeks, I believe you'll be excited about what's to come as we really are going to be been pouring into and focusing on building community uh, and discipleship amongst the women of the church, okay? So if you're feeling left out, um, then A, go grab coffee with a bunch of ladies this week. That'd be great, okay? B, you're welcome to express that to me. I feel left out, Josh. I'm sorry, that wasn't intentional. Uh, we're still new as a church. We don't even celebrate two years until September. So some of these things are still coming online. Uh, ladies should always go first, so forgive me for not following that rule that's in the Bible. It's not the Bible, okay? Uh, just forgive me in general, um, but it's coming. I promise we've been working on it since the beginning of the summer. So Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for this time. We thank you for an opportunity to open your word. 
God, to hear from you, God, and I pray that you would uh, speak clearly to us. You would draw us to you now. Um, Lord Jesus, we need you. Uh, we love you. Amen. Acts uh, chapter 2. Um, so we're talking about prayer, and we're talking about prayer groups, and, and currently our church is on this journey of praying and fasting together. Um, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, we've given out a prayer guide. We've encouraged you to fast, and we've given you a couple of options. Um, there's even some scripture tied to that. And we're kind of saying, hey, Lord, we're seeking renewal. Uh, we're seeking unity. We're seeking uh, the Lord would unite our hearts uh, together in some incredible ways. Um, and so I want to talk about this prayer that we're talking about. Um, I want you to think about the word encounter for a minute. Um, think about encountering people or things or maybe your spouse for the first time. Uh, when, I, um, when, when my kids were much younger, my older kids, we would do, as, as most families do, we'd go to Chick-fil-A a lot and eat. And um, my children, specifically one of them, was deathly afraid of the Chick-fil-A cow. Um, I mean, just hated the thing. Um, and so he would, he, there you go, dead giveaway, right? He would walk in to Chick-fil-A, and he would just walk in paranoid, like checking behind everything, looking, and he, mom, where's the cow? Mom, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we'd get him seated, we'd say, and we'd even tell him at the register sometime, please don't bring the cow out. It'll be terrible for you, for us, like half of your revenue is our family. You just don't want any of this to take place. And, um, you know, that was, that was working out until one day we're sitting there, just eating our lunch, and all of a sudden, that cow is right over my son's shoulder, tapping him on the shoulder. And I don't know what happened, but he spins around and sees it, froze, and then cries and screams for about an hour in the Chick-fil-A. Maybe not an hour, maybe one minute, but it felt like an hour. But what was so startling to me was, was the, forgive me, whoever this cow was, the cow did not take into the fact that this wasn't going well and just stayed there. And we're like, hey, back up. And the cow's like, doesn't talk because they're a Chick-fil-A cow. And he just kind of stood there. And I was like, hey, bud, back up. It's not going well, right? Uh, back up. And then I stood up because the cow wouldn't move. And then I think the cow wanted to fight me, which I didn't want to fight a cow in Chick-fil-A. I was just trying to get the cow to back up. Finally, I stood up and the cow kind of does this move. And I was like, this is not going, just go away, right? And so we have these encounters in life that stick with us, do we not? We have encounters that are good and positive and negative and and hard, and some will never forget. I mean, if you're married, think about your first encounter with your spouse. Or if you have one of those lifelong friends, think about that encounter. Maybe uh, you've had the privilege or joy of meeting a famous athlete or musician that you've admired from a distance. Maybe that encounter went great, maybe it didn't. But oftentimes we walk away from these encounters feeling something. Feeling hope, feeling renewed, feeling discouraged if it didn't go well feeling scared, feeling never wanting to go in Chick-fil-A again, but, but encounters can be impactful to us. Well, what I want you to hear me say this morning is much of what the Bible talks about when it talks about prayer is encountering God. And prayer is, is simply put, having an encounter with God. Now, we don't often think of prayer in that way. We think of prayer as, I've got this list, I've got these needs, I've got this test, but, but prayer begins and ends with an encounter with God. Prayer is encountering the living God. And so as much as we want to think about casting our burdens or our requests up, man, part of prayer man, begins and ends with encountering God. I'm going to jump around in Scripture a lot today. I don't know that you'll be able to keep up. I've marked all my passages. So if you want to just write some of these down and stay in Acts, I think that would be best. But it's up to you. But one of the first encounters with God we see an individual have is in Genesis chapter 4. So setting the stage, you have creation. Following creation, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. And there's this hor horrific saga of Cain and Abel. Following Cain and Abel, a son is born named Seth. And then Seth has a son named Enosh. So he's 
We're not too far in the creative order. And it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, To Seth also a son was born, and his name was called Enosh. And then there's a sentence, and it says, At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And you don't have to go to seminary, but that word call is, is the same word we get the idea of encounter from. That word call means encounter. So it means a couple things, but ultimately that word call means encounter. So it reads even also like this. At that time, people began to encounter God. Prayer is not only about heaping up lists and phrases, although those are important. I mean, it's also about encountering God, entering his presence, uh, his presence, meeting with him. I mean, I want you to consider your relationships in life. If all you ever did in the most valued relationships in your life is showed up and uttered your request, if you walked in the house today after church and just said, dinner, remote, TV, I'm not sure how that would go for you, right? Nap, Target, coffee, like I, I don't know how those requests would go for you, but I mean, we want to we build a relationship and that we can have those things wired into. I mean, adoration, part of our prayer life, leads us to supplication. And oftentimes we get that reversed. Oftentimes we show up to God going, I need, I want, this is happening. And those are good things. And hear me, God wants to hear those things. But I mean, without adoration, without encountering God, without knowing God, oftentimes those requests, that, that supplication can feel a little bit empty. It can feel like, and you may have heard someone say, prayer is boring. And I will tell you 100% prayer will be boring and you'll stop doing it if it's only petitions that go up and there's no adoration as a part of it, no encountering the Lord. You can read in the Psalms, uh, starting in Psalm 30, you can go all the way to Psalm 40. And it's really interesting, at the beginning of each of those Psalms, you will see the psalmist encountering God before he lays out his request. I'm just going to read one of those, Psalm 34. So the psalmist is going to lay out his request, but before he does, he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes boasts in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Do you hear the, the, the encountering and the adoration that's taking place? Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And here's a verse you've heard before, I'm sure, if you've been around church. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I mean, what David and the author here is reminding us in this psalm is prayer, yes. Petitions, yes. Requests, yes. But man, if we aren't reminding our hearts by encountering God that we can taste and see that he is good, prayer will become stagnant and boring. So petition, yes. Make your list, absolutely. Journal your prayers out, yes. Your, share your needs with the Lord. Share your desires with the Lord, yes and good. But encounter God. Faith that's going to persevere is faith that encounters God regularly. I would argue that much of the, the walking away from the faith and the, the deconstruction stuff we're kind of walking in, not to dismiss it in any sense, but I wonder how much of it is, man, we haven't encountered God in a while and it's gone stagnant. Man, we stay faithful through prayer that encounters God. Therefore, prayerlessness 
to live a life void of prayer is, is a spiritual sort of suicide. And, and so here's what I want to do. I want to I shift the rest of our conversation around just this premise. This is what I wanted to get to, but I had to start with the encounter. So if you walk me with a couple things today, you walk me with, I want to encounter God in prayer. And then here's the other two things. Number one, um, and I'm going to kind of make this sound like a three-year-old would say it, we're really good at me prayer. And here's what I mean. Um, so most mornings, uh, I wake up, uh, get something to drink, have a seat at the little table I have at the home where I work sometimes, at the home, at home, uh, open my Bible, pull my journal out, and I spend prayer time with the Lord, just me and the Lord. And if I can be really honest, if somebody interrupts me, I, I, it's really funny. I'll be doing my quiet time, and somebody interrupts me, and then I'll get all irritated. Like, it's really funny how that plays out. But regardless, then that time is special to me. That, that me prayer time is, is really important to me. Um, it's isolated. It's me and the Lord. There are things I share that I mostly share with Beth, but I'm pouring my heart out. I'm, I'm pleading for you. I'm pleading for my family. That is valuable, rich time. And I would pause and say, that should be a part of your life. And it just, it, man, it can feel like a, a fight sometimes, but it's worth it to stay faithfully. I want to encounter God in that moment. I want to spend time with him. Me prayer is really important where it's me and God. But can I just, here's my premise. We're really good at me prayer, but scripture teaches that we prayer is really important, and men, we don't do it at all. See, me prayer, me and God happens a lot. We prayer, or I'm praying with my church and other believers, just doesn't seem to happen as often. I mean, the, the Bible talks about just as much as we are to encounter God individually, we are to encounter God, look at me, church, together. There's a togetherness to this. I mean, praying together shapes the church. Praying together shapes the Christian. As I've studied in the last couple of weeks preparing for this, one of the things that is that has just so resonated with me is how often when Scripture teaches of prayer, it doesn't say when you pray, but it describes a when we pray. When, if we could southern it, when y'all pray. When they pray. That it's not an individual prayer, but it's coming together to pray. When scripture speaks of prayer, it kind of gives you kind of two lanes. You pray by yourself or you pray with others. And I would say we're really good at praying for ourselves. Today, if you almost rear in someone because you're checking your phone and you have that fluttered moment, you will be really good at prayer, will you not? I mean, we really struggle, though, with, with the corporate prayer or the together prayer idea. I would argue I think we just are really bad at it. It's not a value or a commitment that we hold to. So here's my question, and make it personal. How often are you praying with the church? How often do you pray with your church? Here's where I want to spend the rest of our sermon, guys, talking about us praying together, looking at Scripture that reminds us of the call to pray together. If we're not together, there's very little time to pray together. Men, men two of the most Ignored commands and forms of prayer in scripture are to pray with your spouse in marriage and to pray with other Christians. So often our prayers become very isolated, where it's just me and God. Yet we were created for corporate prayer, you and others. Look at Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you're still there. Uh, jump forward to verse 42. So next week we're going to start a series on Acts. We'll get into it later. But what I want you to see is Acts 42 through 47 is, is really the fruit of the first church. You're going to see the church begins to come together, and this is what God does. 
This passage is, is pretty remarkable. There's been tons of books written on it, but it, it's, it's the passage of the fellowship of believers. This is the churches come together, and this is what they experience, and this is what they're doing. So if you ever wanted to know, Jesus leaves, so what does the church look like at the beginning? If we want to take it back, this is it. If you want to know what we should be about, you could even argue this is it, okay? So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, and they. Now, if you're writing your Bible like I do, I underlined they. They. It doesn't say he. It doesn't say him. It says, and they. There is a together. There is a group together. And then it uses this word devoted themselves. It says, and they devoted. Can we talk about devotion for just a moment? Um, when we devote ourselves to something, the truth of it is it costs us something. If you devote yourself to taking on a new child, there's a cost. If you devote yourself to taking on a new job, there's a cost. If you devote yourself to the new iPhone 17 Pro Max light green, there's a cost financially in your wallet now. When we devote ourselves to something, there's a cost. And so we read this to say, and they devoted, they gave themselves to something. And then there it is again. There's another word. Look what it says. Themselves. It's not, and he devoted himself, but it's they devoted themselves to the apostles. And it's going to say they devoted themselves to four things. Four things became incredibly important to the early church. Number one, teaching, the apostles' teaching. They together wanted to sit under and the taught word of God by the apostles. The second thing is fellowship. Now, now pause and, and look at me, because this, this is so incredibly important. When we read fellowship, we, I think, think about it so incorrectly. I mean, fellowship, uh, you can start to look at words like community in Greek. It's, it's the idea that I love you as much as I love myself, even more so, and I want to consider you even more than I consider myself. So when we say fellowship, it's not this. I see you at Target and go, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Great. And we see each other Sunday. But I see you at Target or at church, and I go, hey, man, that thing this week, how did it go? You heard some of the prayer groups reference it. Hey, man, I know you guys are wrestling with this. Hey, how are you? And you can pause and literally say, I'm not okay. Or I am okay. And fellowship is, is, is where we get vulnerable with one another. It's permission to know one another intimately and deeply. So please don't read that as they ate KFC together, but read that as they, they knew each other. It says, into the breaking of bread, and we should eat together, as was said, and to prayer, and the prayers. It's interesting, too. You see verse 42, and verse 43 almost gives, here's the result of verse 42. Look at verse 43. And as a result, which doesn't say that, but I think you can just kind of read into that. And all came over every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so it gives this idea that, man, this is happening. And people are starting to go, what is happening down there? What is happening at that church? What is happening with these people? That all is coming on every soul and signs and wonders are being done. Verse 44. Look what it says. Look at the words it's going to use again. And all who believed were together. And they had everything in common. This is not, and Josh was down in his room being faithful, doing his quiet time every week. There's a togetherness here. Look how crazy it got. Verse 45. Like, you have to acknowledge how crazy this is, okay? This is not common. I'm not saying it's bad. It's miraculous, but it's not common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had a need. I mean, things got a little bit crazy. But one of the things that happens is, and this is really important, the church began to acknowledge that they could sense, feel, and know each other's needs. 
And as those needs came up and they realized it, what did they do? They made a way for those needs to be met. I mean, listen, if you have needs and you don't share those, I would argue that there's a disobedience factor to that. And we are to welcome others into that. And day by day, attending the temple, what does it say again? Together. Breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with gladness and generous hearts. I think there's a, there's a great picture of what we're hoping prayer groups might look like here. Verse 47, praising God. Here's another kind of results of these things. And having favor with all people. And as a result, the Lord adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. And hear me, God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. And the other part of that is, and so that others may be drawn also near to encounter God with them. Listen, practicing prayer in isolation or me prayer only is a good safeguard against the temptation of trying to impress others or look like you don't ever pray in front of others. But I would argue, man, if you only pray me prayers, it's just me and God. I believe that's, un- that's, that's incredibly selfish. It's unchristlike and it's really disobedient. There should be two lanes of prayer in your life where I'm meeting with God and I'm praying and I'm praying with other people. Man, man it's selfish. Look, our prayers are not and cannot only be for ourselves. You are part of a church. You are part of a community. And you are part of a family. I mean, I think praying only me prayers is unchristlike. When you look to the Gospels, you see how often Jesus welcomed others into his prayers. When he fed the 5,000, before he fed them, it says he looked up to the Lord and asked the Lord to provide with them. When he healed Lazarus and brought him back from the dead. You see Jesus mourn, grieve, and weep over the loss with others. And then pray and you see Lazarus healed. And even right at Christ, right before he's arrested, he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and says, Hey, pray for me. Pray for me. How about this? And I want you to hear these words. Luke 11 gives us the Lord's prayer. Luke 11, I want you to hear these words. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach, listen to the word, us to pray. Verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, you, you can read that one way, but, but one of the things we have to see is they're, again, they're praying prayers that are bigger than themselves. There are countless verses in the Bible that speak to Christians being called to pray together. If you look at Matthew 18, you've probably heard this verse before, where two or three are gathered in my name. There's a promise on the end, isn't there? I am with them. So come to me together. Matthew 18, 19, if two of you agree on earth about anything, it will be done by the Father when you ask. How about James 5, 16? Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. There are specific verses in Scripture that offer specific promises to us when we're willing to pray together. And we miss that when we just isolate. Maybe the reason your prayers aren't being answered as you hoped they would be, so that you're not inviting other Christians to agree in prayer with you. I mean, God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together.
Hear me, church. Prayer is supposed to be together. It's supposed to happen together. We pray me prayers. That should happen. And we pray we prayers. We are encouraged to pray together through Scripture. Our prayers, the Bible says, are answered when we pray together. And there is power when we pray together. How about this? And I read this, and it kind of resonated with me. I pray it will with you. But God is not only my Father. In fact, he introduced himself as our Father. He's our Father. Meaning, the things you struggle with, God knows. And the things the person sitting next to you struggle with, he knows. Meaning, the same mercies that were offered to you this morning are the same mercies offered to everyone in the room this morning. I mean, the reality is some football teams pray together on Friday nights more frequently than most churches pray together. That's a heartbreaking thing. I mean, some of us are praying for fasting or we're praying and fasting for renewal right now. Can I just man, man, tell you this? You know what you might need more than a fast is to pray with other believers. I mean, praying with others will expose you. Praying with others will bring dark things to light, which is where sin is dealt with. Praying with others will bring real vulnerability in your life. Praying with your church is part of being a member. It is a way you demonstrate your commitment to the Lord and to others here. In front of you, you have a card and, um, that you got on the way in. And, and we you heard um, Elder Paul talk earlier and he, as he read through James 5, 13 uh, through 20. And these are our, our guidelines, men, if you will, or kind of a framework for our prayer groups. But we say we have five prayer prompts. We want to praise. We want to take time. I mean, we gathered at 8 this morning, and anybody's invited to that, to, to praise God for what he's done. The second prayer prompt is we, if you look at point one, I think they're kind of broken down in there. We want to confess our needs and pray for each other. I mean, did, like, can I just ask you this question? We'll do this thing. Look at me. Like, Do other people outside of your home know what your needs are? Because part of it is, is welcoming them. Not that they can meet the need. But they can come alongside you and agree with you in prayer. And the third one is confess sin. The fourth one is we want to pray for the impossible. We very rarely pray for things outside of our reach. And, but, and what are those impossible things that if God really moved, only God would get the credit for? What about praying for the lost? Man, do you have a list somewhere? Do you have names that you continually come to the Lord with? Do you have a neighbor that you know is lost and you're coming back to the Lord with over and over? Maybe the reason some of your prayers aren't being answered the way you would like for them to be answered is other Christians aren't agreeing with you in prayer. And that doesn't mean because you bring Josh into your prayers, your prayer for winning the lottery is going to be answered. That's not how this works. But what we are saying is, man, there's some specific promises around prayer when we join with others. God builds his church so that he may draw his people near to encounter him together. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to shift, and we're going to do something a little different to close out our time together. So let me just give you this preface. This, this is going to be a bit awkward. So go ahead and take a breath. If you're new here, you're, man, just sit and relax, okay? We don't want you to feel awkward. We want our members to feel awkward, okay? So members, this is for you, right? So here's what we're going to do. I want to give you an invitation to pray this morning. So before we sing our final song together and we move into the kind of prayer group time, man, I, I want to give you an invitation to pray. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three options. Number one, there's an altar right here. Roger's going to come play some pad behind us, and there's an altar here. Maybe you have a need. Maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. Maybe you just feel prompted by the Lord to come and kneel and pray. Maybe you need to come pray with your spouse. 
Number two, pray with an elder. Um, I'm going to have the elders available. If you're an elder in the room, if you'll come up front and just kind of be available. And if you need to come and pray with an elder, we'll be available as scripture teaches. And the third thing is the awkward thing. If we're going to pray together, part of that means going to someone and praying with them. And so part of this space is going to be the opportunity for you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as he leads, walk across the chapel to someone else, lay a hand on their shoulder and pray for them as the Lord leads. Here's the, here's the thing. That's awkward. That's weird. And it's probably one of the greatest things you'll do today if the Lord leads you to do that. So here's the invitation before we sing. Number one, pray at the altar. If you want to come and pray, this is for you. This is your time to meet with the Lord. Number two, if you want to pray with an elder, then we'll be available up here. And number three, if you want to pray for someone, if the Lord lays that on your heart, and I believe he will, then I want to encourage you to walk over as awkward as it may be, pray for them. And let me say this. Our prayers don't have to be eloquent. don't have to be full of scripture. It's just, you just go and pray. Lord, be with them. Bless them. Encourage them. Amen. So again, pray at the altar, pray with the elder, pray with an elder, pray with someone. So if you're an elder, if you'll come on up, and I'll prepare us to this time, into this time now. God, we love you, and I pray that you would meet us during this time now. Lord, if you're leading some to come to the altar, I pray that they would do so. If you're leading some to pray with an elder, I pray they'd do so. And if you're leading us to continue to pray man, and, and become one together in this, Lord, I pray you would lead us and give us boldness to pray for someone else in the room. God, would you draw us to you now? God, we need you and we love you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.